This is Conversations from the Center. And I'm Dalida Maria Benfield. And I'm Chris Bratton. And we're collaborating on this program with Sylvain Suklai. The Center for Arts Design and Social Research is a not-for-profit focused on the intersection of radical creative work and social change. This is episode one. My name is Sylvain Suclay. During each episode, I will have the pleasure to talk with an artist about their practices, but also about moments that shape or change the way that they are seeing themselves or their work. Today, I'm talking with Usha Sijarin about a piece that he created to celebrate the life of Nelson Mandela. Firstly, I was immensely um, honored to have been approached with uh, such a big honor. Um, And secondly, it's very scary because of the magnitude of who Nelson Mandela was, uh, at that time is, and the, the magnitude. I mean, here's this worldwide icon uh, who at that time was still alive. And now we are planning for his funeral, uh, knowing that he's at the, the dusk of his life. Um, so it was both, uh, I felt very honored, but also very scared because uh, there was so much pressure to produce something of um, that, can, that can symbolize who he was in the most respectful, most honorable way. It is uh, sculptural, I suppose, but it's flat. <laughs> um, and my process in any art making, uh, key to my practice is that my starting point is always the material. Because for me, the material is already loaded with meaning. So my starting point, as always, was what material am I going to use to communicate this? And I went through uh, many options, and eventually I settled on using seeds from a tree that is indigenous to South and Southern Africa. Uh, These seeds are used um, in necklaces, so there is a, a adornment element, but also a seed represents uh, something that is going to grow. It, it's linked to an idea of nurturing. It's linked to um, something that when it's nurtured, it flourishes. And I thought this is the perfect metaphor for somebody like Nelson Mandela um, because he's planted seeds. He's planted seeds in us. Um, also, this particular seed is used uh, to make a necklace for children who are teething. And it helps so, uh, with the teething process. So it's, it's got a healing quality uh, and he represented, I mean, he healed our nation, right? Um, but also he has a particular affinity with children. So it had, and, and the, the, the child as a metaphor, uh, as a seed, it had all these multi-layered links uh, or, or readings, which for me was just the perfect material. So that was my starting point. Uh, you know, I think as a nation, apart from the fact that I was involved in the uh, in this process, just as a nation, it was a huge loss, and I think we all felt 
that loss. I think for South Africans, he represented so much. Um, he represented, uh, I mean, it's the, it's, he is the pivotal point in our history into democracy. Um, so his passing, I think we, the whole world mourned his passing. So it was a very heavy, um, mournful, sad moment. And then within that, I had this additional kind of connection. And remember, I said to you that I felt so close to him having gone through this process. So it felt like a, a, a huge personal loss for me. Um, I, I can share something with you that when, uh, when he had passed, I had an assistant at the time who, uh, who after his, just at his passing, realized that this work was for this. And she got so excited about this. She quickly prepared a press release and she said to me, this is your moment as an artist. Uh, you've, got to, you've got to capitalize on this. You've got to milk this opportunity. You've got to take advantage of this. And uh, I had um, uh, journalists uh, calling me to interview me. And I just, um, I just thought about this. And I said, you know, actually this moment is not about me. Um, so I don't want to engage the journalists. I, I made a, a decision that I wanted to uh, honor who he was by not making this my moment. So I said to all the journalists that um, you can interview me, but not right now, in a few weeks. And then of course they didn't come back because then it wasn't topical anymore. And um, in that moment, it, I, I, I went back and forth. Am I making the right decision? And in retrospect, I'm so proud of myself for having uh, taken that position. Like people all often ask me, because I make a lot of public artwork, people always ask me, what's the largest work you've ever made? And for me, that's the largest work. It's not the physically largest work, but it was the biggest work I've ever made. This is Chris Bratton for the Center for Arts, Design, and Social Research, here today with a group of distinguished fellows at the uh, Center Fellows to discuss the issue of disorder. And thinking about disorder as a condition, a kind of generalized condition now that takes institutional forms, uh, such as uh, uh, what new f current forms of production and new forms of production, uh, education, how can we understand education in a, uh, by both disordering current educational institutions and thinking new about other forms of ins educational institutions, and in general, a kind of disordered reordering of how we understand space, but also other social forms, new forms of collectivity, and personal forms, thinking differently about ourselves and others from a disorder to perhaps a reordering. And I'm Dalida Maria Benfield, also with the Center for Arts, Design, and Social Research. And I want to introduce Margarita Kuleva, who we will call Rita, who is a sociologist and researcher, brilliant person, generally based in St. Petersburg, and Bruno Moreschi, who's an artist and researcher based in Sao Paulo, and Jacqueline Kenegisa, who is a Ugandan researcher researching technology and currently based in New York. So 
This is going to be an awesome conversation. My question that I want to put on the table for us to begin is, how do your projects disorder uh, spaces of culture, including art and technology? So Rita, would you like to yeah, start us yeah, off? Yeah. Well, it's a great pleasure to be here and take part in this uh, profound, I'm sure, discussion. And um, um, I will give you a little background on my own research. So mostly what I do is I research contemporary Russian culture in comparison with, for instance, uh, uh, UK situation, German situation. Now we're all exploring uh, Kenyan situation here in Nairobi. Uh, so what I do is I, I look at cultural production not only um, in regard to uh, exhibits and uh, exhibitions and uh, agenda and curatorial statements and everything which is visible. So I'm more interested in the invisible parts of these systems of cultural production and what's happening be, uh, behind the scenes. So if you look, uh, like I don't want to produce any uh, binary dichotomies, but if you look at what is visible, this world is pretty much organized. If you take white cube spaces, everything is in order. <laughs> but then that's a kind of a back door. And uh, there, uh, which is unseen usually by the visitors or, or general audience of, of culture, uh, that's these places are totally messy you know, back offices and mm. what people do is sometimes have hectic, spontaneous and uh, so we, we, we can uh, put them as, as uh, messy things. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, um, I think that dichotomy is produced by those people who are stakeholders in, in culture because they want to clean up and I mean uh, if you refer to, to White Cube again, they want to clean up culture and put some hierarchical structures uh, there. So uh, in that way, uh, I put uh, some efforts to, to produce first more uh, equal uh, gaze to, to that situation and to make it, you know, more dirty, <laughs> more messy, <laughs> to, to rearrange uh, this order. And uh, uh, for now, the, the, the last note is that uh, methodologically, I'm not that kind of a um, scientist or a person <laughs> to a larger extent who would say, okay, that's my model, that would work. No, the data is, uh, any data we have is always messy and uh, there are multiple gazes uh, possible at any kind of uh, research context. So what I uh, suggest here is, is just uh, a, a gaze. Uh, so no order, please. <laughs> Bruno, could you give us some idea of what you're working on? Uh, yeah, I totally agree with you, Rita. First, thank you very much for this uh, invitation for this deep conversation and I think disorder is a it's a really important word for me uh, for my artistic research because well um, I have some guidelines when I when I dis when I do some uh, project and uh, and one of them is always to trying to do instead of uh, just work alone I really like to create or, or invite a lot of people to work with me. And I think this is also is opportunity to include 
different people in the art system and then it can become noises and also some kind of disorders and now and as an artist i really like also to to think in terms how can my work can enter for example in a collection and can be also a disorder in this order you know so i really like to to think that i'm 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 a person that actually is always trying to contaminate the art system and this contamination i think it's 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 important to at least start this kind of disorder and 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 i think that this is some basic uh things about this for me Jackie, you want to <coughs> add something about how your research intersects with the idea of of disordering? It seems like it's really interesting in both Rita's and Bruno's work. There's an an encounter with the system of cultural production of um, of let's say the what's been termed as art, right? Um, and so in the way that you're encountering those spaces, it's, it's also destabilizing um, how we think about what art is so that it's like denaturalized. Mm -hmm. um, so, and I wonder how in your research um, technology becomes denaturalized or I don't know if that makes sense. Too. Yeah, I think that uh, for me in my research, I think that technology is a form of disorder in itself in terms of uh, how different people use it. And lately I've been looking at mainly internet governance and um, focusing on how uh, new movements are, create, are created online and mm -hmm. then uh, taking the activism offline mm -hmm. and what that looks like and then countering that with the measures that then government is putting in place, which is creating a form of order. So I think that uh, from especially my generation and looking at uh, sub-Saharan Africa and looking at the role of the hashtag, I think that, uh, that the hashtag is a very important role in disorder for my generation in, in terms of just um, standing for the things that we believe in, but also creating uh, a community and access that we didn't have before. So for example, uh, I followed and did some work on the women's movement in Uganda and this, they had the first women's march that happened solely online. And this conversation started online and then went offline. And then that was the first mov feminist movement uh, on, on, on ground. And then the beauty of on technology and the platforms that technology offers, like social media platforms, is that you can organize. So the women who organized the women's march started from Twitter and then went to towards subgroup mm. and then met in person mm. but then you had Kenyans coming to Uganda Ethiopians mm. Ghanaian mm -hmm. women and this is because there's this form of order that the form of the platform that is mm. being used to, to, to mainly create a form of disorder mm. in terms of people seeing that the order in their country doesn't look like the kind of order that they know is similar and the kind of disorder that they would like to see is also similar mm -hmm. so you have people with similar takes on what disorder should look like who are using technology to just like gather and then do something about mm. it yeah mm. i um i i think that both you both rita and bruno are also living in uh countries russia and brazil respectively uh where there's been a huge kind of change in terms of the political 
the political life of, of the country itself and then communities in both Russia and Brazil. And I'm curious how you locate your work in relationship to those changes. Rita? Um, okay. Uh, like, um, I mean, we need a, clearly need a specification here, like what, what kind of political changes really, because we can speak about Ukrainian crisis of summer in 14, we, we can speak about economic crisis, which also had some political consequences of 1998, uh, uh, and of course collapse of Soviet Union, so we're still in, in um, post-Soviet era, although mm -hmm. it's been like almost 30 years. So there are constant political changes, but uh, also, of course, we live um, in situation of um, um, some kind of uh, political uh, restrictions and um, um, of course, some of us, they are, they are more uh, privileged in that uh, situation. Well, look at me, I'm Nairobi with <laughs> those beautiful international uh, guys here. So I'm not the uh, least privileged person in this country, it looks like. And um, um, what, what, um, if, if you want me to clearly, to, to quickly um, map the situation, I would say they're um, like oases of not freedom maybe but more opportunities um for to speak up mm -hmm. and um sometimes um cultural institutions like uh sometimes public but mostly private they are those kind of uh ISIS for for revealing yourself and um, in multiple ways of identities, um, especially like gender identities, sexual identities, political identities, um, and so on. But the situation um, is quite complicated because, um, and that's what I know because uh, my main studies, they, they are um, on creative labor and uh, workers of, of those super advanced in, uh, international institution that uh, the labor condition they 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 kind of they're not good strictly speaking uh, but um, uh, I mean with those uh, opportunities for for more freedom this institution they kind of uh, buy out these these workers who are um, exclusively talented and uh, has um, human capital means so much mm -hmm. for this country and um, uh, those institutions like both academics and cultural institutions they're kind of uh, portals uh, in between uh, like larger broader Russia and um, the, the the global world uh, well so-called uh, Western countries and um, so this multiple regimes uh, of uh, possible statements and identities they are shaped uh, there so they are very important and uh, again um, I would uh, uh, avoid some clearer you know uh, uh, binaries like uh, there is no freedom in, in Russia and there are more freedom in all the countries. So it's not, not about the countries mm -hmm. anymore in our neoliberal world. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think for me, well, the situation in Brazil changed a lot. Like if you compare uh, and now with Bolsonaro government, I think everybody is trying to reinvent uh, themselves. And I'm not as uh, I'm also trying to work in 
also not just in nowadays, not just in, in the art system, but also in other systems. For I can give you a specific example. For example, I, uh, I start to to work now in, uh, uh, at the Sao Paulo University with a group of research, uh, especially engineers. Uh, and we are when I when I when I start this residence, uh, I realized that people uh, this uh, the engineers uh, they are they were not concerned about, for example, WhatsApp in Brazil. Uh, they are more concerned about I don't know uh, Amazon Echo and these kind of things that some kind of this some kind of some of these tools you can even find in Brazil. But then. Uh, when I start this residence, I start to complain about that uh, because, as you know, uh, WhatsApp was was a media that was used to 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 spread fake news and then to 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 change the political situation in Brazil. And and I think this is also an example of disorder because mm -hmm. when a, an artist enter in a in a space. Uh, 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 he he or she can now can can do some kind of silly questions or maybe obvious questions and they mm. can change uh, some things and nowadays for example we are doing a really big project in this residence and we are trying to to create a kind of uh, anatomy of WhatsApp in mm. Brazil mm. Uh, uh, so uh, is it art yes I think so because it's also a way to to think about disorder and also contamination and so on so I think uh, nowadays in Brazil I think almost everybody's trying to update them themselves after mm. this situation and this is maybe this is the is the good thing you know we are not we are trying to to do something not just complain I think mm. after to one year of this government, I think we are now in a new, in a new, in a new moment. Uh, not just complain, but also okay. So maybe let's work and let's try to <laughs> yeah. at least uh, solve some things about that. Yeah, that I was thinking too with <coughs> excuse me with Jacqueline's um, with your work um, and and uh, research and um, this kind of online offline question, yeah. um, I guess I I have so many questions about that and so many thoughts about um, what happens in that move. Um, but I wonder what the connections are between uh, disorder and activism. I mean, does activism always require a kind of disordering or or does activism take on different forms of organization that could be called alternative orders? I don't know. How do you think about that? I think that I think that activism without disorder is really just another institution. And I think that the the role of activism is just to create disorder because then to be to be active on on a particular subject and to, to want change on, on a certain thing, it means that you are unhappy with a certain order. Mm -hmm. And and I, and I think that sometimes activism has a tendency of just creating sub-institutions because of how everything runs. But at the same time, I think that the role that technology has played uh, in my research has been really answering. For example, um, the, very, the, ver the various women that took part in the women's march used different technologies uh there was a podcast that is a very uh history podcast that 
then did an episode and it's a women bias history podcast that is dedicated to rewriting Ugandan women into history and again giving access to these archives and using different language and approach that is not purely academic they can be listened to by everyone Mm -hmm. but what they did and what they brought to the movement was they 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 had an episode looking at the history of women protesting in the country and then the, how they use technologies, of course, it's a podcast, and then uh, they had to share it within the different online platforms. Mm-hmm. And then how, how it went offline is that it then went to a radio station. Mm-hmm. So just looking at how the journey that technology is taking is I mean how they're using it as a tool is also very, very interesting to look at, uh, just like throwing aside all these forms of knowledge, knowledge production, distribution, uh, creation, and then also just addition onto what that looks like. So I'm very much interested in the role that technology has played in mainly being used as a a form of disorder for activism, I think. And that's activism, again, across uh, sub-Saharan Africa. Amazing, amazing, yeah. Yeah. And I think that this, with this conversation, We've made another uh, offering (laughs) 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 towards the use of technology for disorder. disorder. Um, Thank you so much for the amazing conversation. Thank you. Thank you for having us. We will continue, obviously. Offline? Yeah, offline. Online. And online. In a disorderly way. In a In a thoroughly disorderly way. So thank you all. Thank you. Thank you so much. We are reaching the conclusion of the first episode of From the Center. Dalida, Christopher and I would like to thank you for your presence and we hope to see you during the next episode. Now it is time to explore and experiment an unspoken and sonic piece of sound arts. That peculiar piece occurs in the kitchen somewhere in Nairobi. No, come to have any